0: Amen, amen. We're doing some teaching this uh, in this series of messages. Some good teaching, I think. Foundational teaching. You have to go, go back and touch home place once in a while. And uh, last time, two weeks ago, I started this series, began this series on the foundational doctrines of the church if you don't know the foundation, your building won't stand. Right. Yeah. Have to have a good foundation. And uh, so I think every, every now and then, it's good to just start at the beginning and start over and let you... Uh, because we have new people here. How many of you have been here less than a year? See this? We've got lots of folks here who have been here less than a year. So you need to know what we what we believe and foundational doctrines of the church. Not just this church, the church at, at large believes these things. Last time we talked about the authority of the written word of God, that the Bible is God's word. But we also say that not everything in the Bible God said. He quotes the devil in the Bible. Okay. Uh, Job's Job's uh, friends were idiots. <laughs> yeah. Almost the entire book of Job is idiot, idiot talk. <laughs> Almost the whole thing is. Idiot talk. God said so at the end. Yeah. So you can pull a lot of things out of the Bible and make it say something that God's not saying. You understand what it was saying? Yeah. You have to know who's saying what to whom. The part we know is it's from God is a new covenant for us. We know this for a fact. Especially that part that Paul teaches us. Because he said God called him specifically, taught him New Testament doctrine for the church, especially the Gentile world. Gentiles are different from, from Jews. I don't know if you know that, but, but you are. We're all different from the Jews. We're not the Jews. We'll never be Jewish. You'll never be Jewish. That's a tribe of Israel. You'll never be a tribe of, uh, one of the tribes of Israel. In Oklahoma, we understand tribes, don't we? Any Choctaw in here? Let me see the Choctaws. There's some Choctaws. Any Cherokees? I'm Cherokee. Any Chickasaw? Got some Chickasaw over there. Seminole Creek? Yeah, okay. So we understand tribes, but when it says the tribes of Israel, it's not talking about the tribes of of Oklahoma. I'm of, of the Germanic tribe and the Cherokee tribe and the Tribes of uh, Ireland. That's where I come from mostly. German, Irish, and Indian. Is that you? Uh, that's a lot of us. But that doesn't matter anything. All that, all that adds up to is one word, Gentile. It's all Gentile. African Americans are Gentiles. Asian Americans are Gentiles. White Americans are Gentiles. We're all Gentiles unless we're Jewish. The Jews are the only different people in the world, the only people that God sees as different. That's what makes racism so stupid. I'm gonna say it that again. That's what makes racism so stupid. It's stupid. It's ugly, it's mean, it's hateful. To hate somebody because of the color of their skin. How stupid can you get? Nobody can be nobody can determine that. You're born the way you're born. We're all glad to be here, aren't we? That's why we accept people like, like they are. Because we were all lost in our sin and degradation. All cut off from God. Desperately in the need of a Savior who so happened to be Jewish. Who so happened to be God in the flesh. I told a guy about Jesus one time. He said, Yeah, but he was God. I said, You believe Jesus was God? Well, he said, You said he was. He said, He had an unfair advantage. I can't live like he did. He was God. He had an unfair advantage. How do you expect me to live like Jesus lived? I said, I don't expect you to live like Jesus lived, not until you get saved. He said, but then I got to live like him. I said, you don't got to, you get to. He uh, (laughs) He said, but he had an unfair advantage. I said, let me ask you something. If you're drowning... Do you want a guy that can swim like you to come save you? <laughs> if you're drowning, do you want a guy that swims as good as you to save you? Or do you want the best, do you, want, do you want that, what's that guy's name? Michael Phelps. Michael, you want Michael Phelps to show up to save you? Yeah. You want the best of the best to show up, don't you? Yeah. If you're in a car, you had a car wreck on the highway, who do you want to show up? Not, not a doctor. You want a paramedic to show up. Right. Paramedic will save your life on the road. What a doctor told me. The doctor told me one time. He said, "You have a car wreck. You better hope a paramedic shows up, not me." Because yeah. I didn't take blood blood samples. <laughs> I want a blood test, but that paramedic will save your life. Yeah. yeah. You understand? Yeah. You want people with an unfair advantage in, in your life? That's only ones that can help you. That's good. That's Amen. Good. Amen. Amen. Good word. Follow that. Yeah. In the Word of God, there's. There's a, a, a truth that's often, often overlooked, but it's a foundational truth. This earth lives under a curse. A curse that was meant to be a blessing. God said it like this. Do not eat of that tree, for in the day you eat it, you shall die. And there wasn't a curse until, until they broke it. God gave it to them as a blessing to pre- preserve them, to save them. You see what I mean? To God, from God's mouth, it was a blessing. But when they broke that blessing, it became a curse. You follow that? God's not in the business of cursing people. He puts a word out there, and if you go against it, it it becomes a curse to you. And a judgment comes upon it. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. There are only three of those that are universal in in the entire Word of God. only three that are universal, meaning touching everybody. Just three. That kind of word that went out and touched everybody in the world. All of us are subject to these three curses. The curse of the garden, which is the the curse of death. Curse of the flood. The curse of the Tower of Babel. The curse of language. I don't know if you know it, but I I have lots of Spanish friends at CF and I. They speak Spanish and Portuguese a lot because we've got students from all over the world, you know, Brazili, Brazilians by the millions. Brazilians by the millions. I don't know. I don't know. They said, that we got Brazilians at CF and I said, how, how many is a Brazilian? <laughs> <laughs> this many? <laughs> and uh, they think that that's the language of heaven. My Spanish friends tell me. Spanish is the language of heaven. No, it's not. It's a curse. They're all a curse. All the languages of men are curses. Came to divide mankind from one another. That's what it came to do. You hear me? You want to read the book yourself? Chapter 11 of Genesis. These three things I just told you about, the curse of the garden, the curse of the flood, and the curse of language, are in the first three, first three, First 11 chapters, all three of these are in the first 11 chapters of the the book of Genesis. They're all three there. And it touches all. Death, the flood, and language. How does this get fixed? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) This gets fixed in the first three steps of faith. First three steps of faith you take in the New Covenant. The New Covenant turns all these around. I was teaching this one time years ago. God just showed this to me. And I was teaching it one time. And somebody said, you've left out one, doctor. I said, what do you mean I left out one? I didn't leave, leave out one. What, what is that? They said childbirth, the pain of childbirth. I said, that didn't affect any man, I know. That's just half. That's not universal. That's just half the universe. That's just half of us. And all the men said, Amen. <laughs> all of us were affected in those three. So, so we have three steps of faith to take now to overcome these. And they are the rebirth. God's answer to the sin and death of the Garden of Eden was the rebirth. Get you born again. Yeah. And then water baptized to wash away that old man. Amen and then filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. So the language that used to be a curse is now the kindest, best, most intimate prayer you can pray. Yeah. Amen. Glory to God. Only God knows how to turn things around like that. I want to take you to this to, uh, little equation. Adam plus sin equal death. Jesus plus death equal righteousness. Adam plus sin equals death. Jesus plus death equals righteousness. How does God get Adam back? He gets him back through the rebirth. That's how He gets you back through the rebirth. You must be born again, Jesus said. Let's turn to John chapter 3. I'm going to read three three verses. I'm going to pick three verses out of that chapter. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, he talked to Nicodemus, who came to him by night. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then, in verse seven, says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth. Verse eight, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and cannot cannot tell whence it cometh or where it goes. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. First Peter one twenty two says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth unto the, through the Spirit unto it, unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. the Verse 23 says, being born again. Verse 23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word of God here is talking about Jesus as a spoken word. The Logos. The living word is in your life and when He came into your life, He rebirthed your spirit, man. You came alive unto God just like Jesus did. From, from, when He rose from, from the dead, you came alive in the Spirit. Glory to God. See, God's not reconciling people to Himself today. He's not. If anybody in this building gets saved today, it's going to be because you reconciled yourself to God. God is already reconciled to you. Put up Second 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ. It's not up there yet, but I know what it says. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There we go. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. When, was, when did God reconcile the world to Himself? Today? Yesterday? No. 2,000 years ago, in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. So he does not hold His hold trespasses against anybody today. He does not impute trespasses to men. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What? Our word, the message we're supposed to preach, not a message of sin, you sinner. You sinner, you sinner, you sinner. No, our message is to say, God loves you. God has already done everything He's going to do to save you. He wants you in His family. Come to God. Come running to God. Nothing to repent of. Only believe. Only believe. And look at, look at verse the next verse. 20. Now, we, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you or beg you through us We pray you in Christ as though though Jesus was here right now. Be ye reconciled to God. Be ye reconciled to God. God reconciled himself to the world through Christ. That means that work is forever done. Now today you reconcile yourself to God. The hand of grace reaches down and reconciled reconciled you to himself. The hand of faith reaches up and reconciles yourself to God. That's what it means to be saved by grace. Through faith. God did it in Christ. Caused you to do nothing but believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. The seed then, Peter said, being born again not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible. Is a seed in you corruptible or incorruptible? If it's corruptible, you need to get saved. If it's incorruptible, you're saved forever. If it's corruptible, you need to get saved. If it's incorruptible, it's forever. If it cannot be corrupted. It's in there forever. Amen. Lives and abides forever. The seed which you have in you, you're reborn, in, is incorruptible. You're born of the Word of God, born of that seed, Christ. That seed is Christ. Eternal life is eternal. It's incorruptible. Glory to God. Somebody ought to shout, yes, amen. Everybody gets saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody, Jew and Gentile. Now there's a difference in the way, the way it happens for Jews and Gentiles. We said in the Word of God. There's a big distinction between Jew and Gentile. We want to look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Wonderful verse of scripture. Wonderful verse of scripture. I love this verse of scripture. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Who's he talking to? Jews only. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 3,000 people got saved that day after after Peter preached. Every single one of them was a Jew. Listen to me. There were Roman soldiers all over the place. Roman soldiers were the policemen for the Roman Empire. It was a military state. They didn't have a friendly local neighborhood cop on the street. They had soldiers who would kill you on the spot if they needed to. Roman soldiers were every place. And they made good candidates to be saved too. You remember? There was one that came to Jesus and Jesus said, I've not seen such faith in, as, as this in all of Israel. That one that came in Matthew chapter 8 pleading for his his servant back home who was sick. There's one that stood at the foot of the cross, a centurion, another centurion. These are big soldiers, over soldiers. He, uh, one that stood at the foot of the cross said, surely this is the son of God as he watched Jesus die. And the first one that did get saved was a guy named Cornelius. What was he? A Roman soldier again, a centurion of the Italian band. Oh, think of that. So these Roman centurions, these Roman soldiers were all good candidates, but none of them got saved at Pentecost. None of them. None of, say, say none of them. None of them got saved at Pentecost. None of them. Why? Why didn't they, why didn't they get saved at Pentecost? Because it wasn't the right message for them. It was not the right message. Repent was not the message for the Gentile. The message for the Gentile is in Acts chapter 10. We as Gentiles are commanded not to repent, but to believe, Amen. and repentance is given to us as a gift. Amen. I'll show you this in the Bible too, Acts chapter ten, verse. Let's turn to Acts ten forty-three. Acts ten forty-three. I'm going to read about four verses here, I guess. To him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. Peter said this. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name. Whoever does what? Believes in him shall receive the remission of sins. While Peter yet spoke these words. What words? Believe on Jesus. These words. The Holy Ghost filled on all them that heard the word. They hadn't repented. They hadn't even said anything. Hadn't done anything. Just sitting there listening to him preach. That's why the word of God is powerful. The word preached is Powerful. Change their hearts while they listened. They didn't even pray. They didn't do anything, they just sat there and listened to the man of God preach the word of God. The word of God then was was not wasn't, wasn't coming from Job. Leviticus. He wasn't preaching that part of the Bible. He was preaching that part of the Bible that they call the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. For God has made reconciled himself. He's made peace with man. Recon- that's what reconciled means. The gospel you, the gospel of your salvation that is for you is a gospel that says Christ died for our sins. That's a promise from God. The only person keeping the record of sin is God. And Christ died for our sins. That's what God has to say about sin today. Not that he hates sin and hates the sinner, but that he gave a recon- reconciliation for the sin. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to this scripture. Glory to God. Glory to God. And they, they of the circumcision which believed, uh, let's read verse 44. How Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished at, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They did not pray, they just received. I love praying, I love prayer. Prayer is a a vehicle for the church to use night and day. Pray without ceasing. But sometimes you don't pray, sometimes you just receive. You believe and receive. Remember what John said? He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even those who believe on His name. He tells us that the receiving is in the believing. The receiving is in the believing. Let your heart believe it today. Let your heart believe it that God loves you like you are. That he has taken your sin away. And everybody you know can be saved today. Even your nasty, nagging tooth mother-in-law can be saved today. Amen. Amen. Anne's mother-in-law is in the building. She can be saved today. Now they just received it and they started speaking in other tongues. Let me tell you something. That was a shock. That was, a, that was an all-out shock to the Jews. It was a shocking thing to the Jews to have a, Gentile, a house full of Gentiles start speaking in other tongues. They were astonished. It says they were astonished. They were astonished because they heard them speaking in tongues. They were going, what does this mean? What does this mean? And I know what Peter was thinking. He's a preacher, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher. He's thinking, "What did I just say? I got to remember that. What was it I just said? I got to remember that. That was good, man. That worked. Whatever that was. What did I just say? Whoever believes on Jesus' name shall receive the remission of sins. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's a good one. M- 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 make a note of that. Put that down in my book. Say, say that every time. See what I mean? He remembered what he said, made the Gentiles receive the Holy Ghost wasn't anything but believe on Jesus. That's what he said. Believe on the name of Jesus. That's a powerful thought. I could preach against sin here because I know how to do it. I did it a lot. I've done so much of it, I'm ashamed of myself almost. I think back. Preaching against sin as though there's no remedy for it. As though God doesn't have an answer for sin. As though sin is stronger than grace. Oh, it's a, it's a shame the way it's preached these days. Let's turn to Acts chapter fifteen and see what Peter did. What he did with his thought about Gentiles getting saved by grace through faith. Listen to how he says it. And the apostles and elders came together. Verse six, Acts fifteen six. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among, the, among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the, the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost even as He did it unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now how did He know their hearts have been purified by faith alone. How did he know that? Because of what he had just said. I remember, he remembered what he had said. He talked to them about faith in Jesus. He said that must have been the moment their hearts were purified. It was before they were baptized, y'all. It was before they re- repented. It was before they did done anything but just sit there and believe. Hear the message and believe it. Purify their hearts by faith. So here's what we know about that then. Salvation comes through faith in the, in the heart, in the heart, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth of confession is made unto salvation. Why faith? Why is it so important to God that you believe him? Why does He make it all about faith all the time? I told you the last time we, we did a series on faith a few, few weeks back, walking through Hebrews 11. remember that. I told you it's all about faith. And I took, we took, told, gave you the numbers. I don't remember what the numbers were, but 500 and some times. 47 times the word faith and believe is in the Old, Old Testament. 40 some times. It's in the New Testament 500, 500 plus times. The Old Testament is this big with 47 references. New Testament is this big with 500 references. What would you say the New Testament is about? Yeah. It has to be. But that much talk about that, repentance is in the, in the New Testament 60s times. 60 times is all it's there, and most of that is in the Matthew, Mark, Luke part of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, most of it. Repentance, repentance is very seldom mentioned in the rest of the New Covenant because they've come to find out they knew by this time faith was the issue, not repentance. You can repent all you want to, and you still die in your sin. Men do it all the time in the religions of the world. They go to confession, they repent of their sins, and they walk out of there still unsaved. Because unbelief was actually the original sin. That's why, because unbelief was actually the original sin. Unbelief was the original sin. You thought eating eating a piece of apple was the original sin, didn't you? Now most of you have heard this. You you know better. It was not the actual eating of the fruit, that's the symptom of the of the sin. The sin was Eve stopped believing God and started believing the the, the the enemy, the serpent. John 16, verse 7 says this. John 16, 7 says it like this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. And you know what that means? It's better for you that I go away. What nobody in the world believes that. No Christians believe that. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. It's better without you, Jesus. Yeah, it's better. That Mark's preaching for you. better for you that I go away. Because if I go another way, the Comforter will not come. Right. If I go another way, not away, He will not come. You're better off with me on the throne and Him in your heart than you are with me standing here beside you. All I hear Christians say, oh, if I could just, just walk with Jesus. What do you mean walk with Jesus. He's walking in you. Wake up. You're better off without Him here. He said that. I didn't say that. He said that. You're better off without Him here and His Spirit in you. Amen. Glory to God. I don't find any Christians that believe that. But I tell them all. all all, When I get in conversations like this, I say you're better off without Jesus here. Ah, blasphemy! Well, then he's the one that said it. (laughs) He's the one that said it. I didn't say it. He said it more expedient for you. It's better for you to not, not have Him here and have His Spirit here. Amen. Glory to God. Because He came to convict the world of three things it says there in that chapter in those verses. Give me the next verse up there. And when He comes, He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the first one is sin. Let's see what it says about that. Next verse. Of sin because they do what? They don't repent enough. Of sin because they so, they're so sinful. No. Of sin because they believe not on me. The primary force of sin in the world is unbelief. That's the primary source of, of sin in the world. And the force behind sin is unbelief, not believing God. And the Holy Spirit is a convictor of unbelief. He wants you to believe Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I don't care how pleasing you are in other ways. If you do it without faith, it's not pleasing to God. Remember what I told you? Abraham obeyed God in chapter 12. He heard God speak to him in chapter 12 of Genesis. And he obeyed God and went out not knowing where he was going. And then uh, chapter 13, it says he was very rich. He was successful. And, thir- and, and he was blessed of, of, the, of the Lord in Egypt. Chapter 14, he goes out to battle and wins the battle. He's victorious. Chapter 14, also he tithes on his winnings. He's a tither. Chapter 15, it says he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What? What? He wasn't righteous when he was obedient? No. He wasn't righteous when he was blessed? No. He wasn't righteous when he was victorious? No. He wasn't righteous when he tithed? No. When was he made righteous? When he believed. It's all about faith in your heart. Amen. Can I have a better amen? Amen. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of ju- righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. And look at this next thing. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. So He's telling us that Jesus is going to, going to go back to the Father and send the Holy Spirit. and He's going to come and dwell us and convince us of our righteousness. Not how righteous God is, but of our righteousness. He's going to be here because He's going to try to get us to believe that we're righteous so we can act like Jesus in the earth because you see, he said, you see me no more. you hear me? He won't be around here. He wants you to be around here. He wants you to be his emissary. He wants you to be the one that the world looks at to say, I know there's a God that lives because of these people that are on the earth living like Jesus, looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. I have righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, he said, because the prince of this world is judged. That means the enemy is done. The enemy is defeated. He's been judged, weighed in the balance and found wanting. And you have authority over him, glory to God. The Holy Spirit has come to convict you of your authority over the over Satan and, and all all his hordes. Once faith is established in the heart, then you're granted repentance. You're granted repentance after you get faith established in your heart. I can prove this from the Word of God. You know it could. The moment you put your faith in Christ, the Bible then says, well, let's, let's just look at it. Peter retells the story in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 16. Let's look there. Acts 11:16. Peter retells his story to the Jews about the Gentiles, what happened at Cornelius' house. He heard them speak in tongues, knew they were born again then. And he says, Then I remembered, remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with, with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, What was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, here's here's what they said. Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted, given repentance unto the life. They didn't repent. God gave them a gift of repentance. Amen. Because a Gentile cannot change his mind. That's what repentance means. Change the way you think. The word is metanoia. Every time in the New Testament, when the word repentance is, is there, it's metanoia. Change the way you think. Change your mind. So they've got a the gift of repentance. You've got a gift of repentance. I live my whole life repenting. Ask Miss Ann. I live my whole life repenting. And I can because I believe. Jesus is inside me by His Spirit. Word of God lives inside me. I've been born again of a new, new creation. But my mind did not get re- reborn. My spirit man is reborn, but my mind wasn't. It's in the process right now. Through, through the mechanism of repentance. Your mind gets reborn. you understand that? Okay. Repentance comes after we, we believe. That's why I don't run out in the streets and bark at sinners, repent, sinners. I don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Not if you know they're they're not saved. Tell them to repent. They they don't know what to do. They they don't know how to do it. It's fruitless. They can repent their guts out and still die and go to hell. Just like Judas did. Judas literally repented his guts out. Maybe we would not believe who Jesus really was. We tell them believe we tell them instead believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then repentance is possible. You can change your mind by letting the Holy Ghost first change your heart. Amen. Glory to God. I was having dinner one time with a professor from Dallas Baptist University, DBU. Two different ones. The PhDs came came and said sat at my table and the Lindsays were there. These PhDs said, to him, them right back to back, they came independent of each other, Said with us and said, I got to tell you something. CF and I students are the best students we, we have here. The students we get from CF and I are the best students we have at DBU. They have thousands of students there. He said, your students are the best we have. This, this professor got up and walked away. Another one followed her and came over and said, I just, I just have to tell you guys, your students are the best students we have at, at DBU Dallas Baptist University. I thought, wow, I wonder why that is. <laughs> you know why it is? we're not big on fixing their heads and CF and That's the Baptist job to do. Fix their heads. <laughs> <laughs> who we'll fix their inner man first? You're yeah. gonna fix in the heart, get them full of faith and send them off to get their heads fixed. It works the best that way. Don't try to don't try to fix your heart by fixing your head. That's repentance that's wagging the, the dog. <laughs> Let God fix your heart first. You take care of the repentance letter by fixing your mind. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm enjoying this. hope you are. I've only got about another hour and a half to go, so stay with me. Romans chapter 5, let's turn to Romans 5 verse 19. Romans 5 19. Romans 5 19 says, For as by one man disobedience one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one so many be made righteous. Oh, that means that you're not a sinner because you sinned. You're a sinner because you were born. Adam's seed, that's all Adam's seed could could produce for all Adam's seed. And all his seed could produce was sinners born that way. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Which is more powerful, sin or grace? Grace much more abounds. That as sin hath reigned unto death, Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Adam came sin and death and condemnation. Through the last Adam, Jesus, came grace, justification, righteousness, and eternal life. Amen. Much more was gained in Christ than was ever lost in Adam. Stop grieving over losing the Garden of Eden. God put His Word in your heart, in your mouth, Create your own Garden of Eden. Create your own life. You have authority to create your own life. In Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank You for this first step of these three main steps we're going to take in these next few weeks. Thank You for this step of getting back even more than what Adam lost. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We love you, Lord, today. I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice today that they can know you, be born again, and live forever through the incorruptible seed of the word of God. In Jesus' name.